Hello, and welcome to the Yom Iyun podcast, where we analyze a gadus from Shas with a rational metaphorical method. Today, we're going to go back to the tragic stories that we went through, Kamsa, Bar Kamsa, etc., and look at the Rabbonim, the great personalities from the Gemara, um, and see if there's significance to who said what statement. We have done this before. It's an added layer to analyzing Agada and even the regular parts of the Gemara, the halakhic parts. Um, the idea is not that we're looking for um, culture, of the t- culture of the times uh, interpretations where, oh, they only said this because they lived at this time, or they only passed in this halacha because they lived at this time, not like that, God forbid. People would pass in halacha regardless of where they were, as long as it fit the situation. And people... Um, would say statements because they're true, conceptual, agadaic statements. But as my Rabbi Berkowitz said, that um, many Rabbanim, many many rabbis and opinions could have said this statement, but the certain people were chosen because um, you know their personality, their essence fit the bill. And sometimes people were chosen because of exactly when they lived, Rabbi Shmuel. He was the first Kohen who was after the destruction of the Bismedash, we said earlier. So let's go through um, the story now, and let's uh, review a little bit. So there are certain, if you look in Sefer Shoftim, uh, Yoshua and the Chumash, there are 12 Shvatim, 12 metafamilies, and each one of them is important. They're called Shifteka, the tribes of God. And they're all important. They all have strengths for positive and negative usage. Want to use it for positive. At the same time, certain Shvatim, certain tribes and people are the straw that stirs the drink, so to speak. They are more famous. They're more impactful in a meta-big sense. Now, you have to have all, all the Shvatim, all the tribes for having a king and for having a nation. It was a tragedy of Sheba ben Yoman was almost wiped out in Shoftim. But you see, time and time again, certain ones show up. It's very stark if you look at Shoftim. So you have Yehuda, the Malchus people, the, the, the Shevet that's relevant to Malchus. They seem to be more adept at war. They're the first people to go to war uh, in Shoftim to start conquering the land. David and Melech comes from there. They all seem to be stronger warriors. You have Shevet Levi constantly mentioned, both in the context of being studious and Rabbanim, but even more so in being um, sort of a guardians and and feisty. They're the guardians of the Besamekdash, the Mishkan, but they also can do bad. Probably let be give a story. They can be very aggressively feisty. We see people from... Uh, Shvatim from Yosef, from Menashe, from Yosef, and it makes sense because uh, Yosef and David, um, Yehuda and Ephraim Menashe, Shvatim, they are the leadership. You have the um, strong Malchus, the strong kingship type of leadership, and there's Yosef type of leadership, which is more systemic and dynamic, but they're both essential. Yosef brings everyone together, and then the Melech is in charge of everything put together. Um, so you see, the, those are some of the main shvatim that are necessary to stir the drink. 
Um, and in this story, we shall see these, these are the people who are at the centerpiece of this, the uh, wonderful mice in here. Okay, so remember, remember that Rabbi Yochanan says the first statement here. Rabbi Yochanan, who is an Amora, the Amora Rabbi Yochanan, not Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai, but Rabbi Yochanan, the Amora, who lived in Eretz Yisrael, first and second generation Amora, remember that he is the first one that says the statements about Kamsa Bar Kamsa. Okay, next. Going over to number two. I have everything marked off here in numerical order. So you have Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai as the Rav who was smuggled out of Yerushalayim when there were wealthy people, but the Baryonim, the zealots, or zealot gangsters, uh, destroyed the wealth in the city. And right before that, Rav Chista mentioned again, and I think it's important to note that Rav Chista, he was wealthy and successful brewer, he attributed this to his mitzvos. And also, he would have slav, he would these special birds that came to him. So it's especially poignant that Rav Chista who was an Amora, he lived later, is describing some of the tragedies that happened in the Beis Hamidosh because, because of their misdeeds, they began to have discord and they lost a lot of wealth. So, Dom Rav Chista Akalba Akalba Dechiti Boy Shisin Akalba Dechiti So he talk, he's the one that talked about how a storehouse of wheat needs you know storehouse of kindling. He was describing the um, importance of wealth and um, energy resources. So, just to mention how important it is to look at the Rabbanim, the Gemara of Chista understands wealth and understands um, the need for righteousness uh, surrounding that. And he received um, the gifts of the wealth every day. Okay. Then. Um, go back, Rabban Yochan ben Zakkai. He there's he's a great rav and a scholar, which is necessary for the ingredients of the Jewish people. Ancient tradition that Rabban Yochanan was descended, perhaps on his mother's side, from Melech Hezekiah of Yehuda, Hezekiah of Yehuda. Uh, according to Rashi and Rambam, uh, Rabban Yochan ben Zakkai was officiating over the Paraduma even, in the times of the base of Midash. Uh, other people disagree and say he was not a Kohen. So, so here you already have inclusion of the straw, which is that he was, uh, comes from Malchus or comes from Kohanim. The proper ingredients for leadership. And he was the one who davened at the um, sanctuary would not be destroyed. For what reason do you terrify yourself? I also know that in the end you are destined to be destroyed, already foretold by the prophets. But don't open your doors, because the Heichal, the base midrash, was opening the doors early. He davened that it would not be destroyed. At the age of 40, he abandoned his business pursuits, with which he supported his family, to absorb his teacher's wisdom. Dedicated, dedicated himself to Torah study. 
learned from the last of the Zugos. So he's seeing the last of the solidified authority, and he completely dedicated his life to Torah. He successfully gathered to him the surviving sages and reestablished this great body of Rabonim. So we talked about why is it that during in the story he asked for specifically um, those three components. He asked for Chachamim, because uh, in order for the Jewish people to survive, you need the sages. He asked for Malchus uh, based David to stay intact, which is the family of Rabbi Gamliel. He's from Malchus based David, and doctors for Rabbi Tzadok. He's the one that fasted for 40 years that the base of Midrash would not be destroyed. Guess what? Rabbi Tzadok was a Kohen, contemporary of Rabbi Yeshua. So boom, again, there you have the key ingredients uh, for the leadership of the Jewish people in the lineage. And he, and Rabbi Nechman Zakkai, is essential for keeping this survival alive. Rabbi Yochanan was walking near the ruins of the base of Yerushalayim. When his students saw the temple was destroyed, he bemoaned, Woe unto us, for the place where our sins were atoned for was destroyed. Rabbi Yochanan said to him, My son, do not be saddened, because we still have with us an atonement equal to the base Midash, acts of chesed, as it says in the Pasuk. So he gave his personal uh, comfort over those incidences. Okay, who was with him? Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Eliezer, one of the best known, most frequently quoted Tanayim. He lived through the destruction of the base Midash, and he established his own yeshiva and based in in Lod. Rabbi Eliezer is one of the teachers of the great Rabbi Kiva. Remember that. And he taught a person should always have a good eye. Meaning to be happy with what the Baruch Hu has given him. Don't be jealous of others. Be generous. And then for our story, that is... A, an antidote to Sinas Chinam. Important to remember that. And who else was there? Uh, the other students, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah. He was a levy with a pleasant voice. Boom. Levium. So it's important that he was included in this, aside from the fact that he's a brilliant uh, Talmudic uh, part of the Masorah. Served as Abedin and Yavna. And he was the one who was part of the um, Kabbalah, the, uh, I guess, Sisrei Torah, Kabbalah tradition. The Gemara relates an incident that occurred with Rabbi Yeshua and his teacher, which illustrates the incredible mastery of Rabbi Yeshua in even the hidden parts of the Torah, Rabbi Shua and his colleague, Rabbi Yossi Cohen, were walking on the road and they decided to darshan Misa Merkava. 
the esoteric vision from Yechezkel. This is one of the mystical branches of the Torah. Rabbi Yeshua began his drasha and lectured to Rabbi Yossi. It was hot in Tammuz, meaning there are not normally clouds. Nevertheless, the sky immediately thickened with clouds and the appearance of a rainbow materialized, um, alluding to the Shekhinah. And the Malachi Asharis gathered to hear the drashos, like people who gathered here to see the merrymaking of a bride and a groom. Afterward, Rabbi Yossi HaKohen went and related these matters to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabbi Yochanan said, How fortunate are both of you, and how fortunate are those who give birth to you. So, you see he was involved in Sisri Torah. Also, in um, Midrash, I understand Malachi Asharis to be absolute truth. So when it says, you know, Moshe went to Shemayim, Malachi Asharis wanted to bump him off. Hashem said, no, allow, stay, let him stay here. Many other times. They are they're always arguing for the highest level of absolute truth, but then the Kaddish Baruch Hu comes along and says, no, we have to be practical. Let this and that happen. So here I think Rabbi Shua was darshaning in a way that was so objectively true. And if you look at the in Chagiga and the Tosefta, Rabbi Yeshua was the one who was um, teaching, he was, what's it called, uh, approving of the Kabbalistic discourses of those people. I know Rashi says the Neshamos went to Shemayim, but another one, a non-metaphysical way to understand it is that they were giving over their understanding of the Drashos. And Rabbi Yeshua would say he would approve of them um, and the Drashos or not. Okay, so now we have a lady as well. We have Cohen, Levi, leadership, someone from Machos based David. That's number five. Number six is Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar ben Padas. He's the one at the end of these, this the first uh, Misa, important story, who says, Come and see how great is the strength of Busha, because the Kush Baruch Hu helped Barakams and destroyed his own house and sanctuary because a Jew got embarrassed. Okay, so first of all, don't forget that Rabbi Yehoshua was one of the students. And we have Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai and Rabbi Yochanan. Okay, so Rabbi, El Rabbi Elazar ben Padas, he, he lived in Bavel and Eretz Yisrael. Okay, so we began our story in Eretz Yisrael. Now we have an Amora who lived in Bavel and he went back to Eretz Yisrael. He frequently visited, went back and forth. So at the beginning of the Galus story, we're, we're in Eretz Yisrael. Then we're in Bavel, back to Eretz Yisrael. It's a beautiful but subtle statement that even though Galus happens, our focus is on returning. The focus is we have to remember there will be redemption. Because Rabbi Yochanan began in Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Lazar began in Bavel and went back to Eretz Yisrael. Furthermore, he's the one that said the famous statement that um, all your sons are disciples of Hashem and abundant will be peace. Torah scholars make peace. Ah, so what's the whole point of this story? And the Rabbanim didn't say anything. Rabbis didn't stop it. They didn't triangulate, negotiate, get involved. So Rabbi is telling us that in order to build, to make peace, the Rabbanan have to be involved. Ah, beautiful connection there. Okay. So who 
is missing from the equation. So who's missing from the equation is someone that comes from Yosef. And my, here's my thesis here. My thesis is that what gets Claudius Yisrael in trouble is they don't linger in the Malchus situation, stages. They go down a level into Esau's realm, which is Yisod. Now, if you don't like Kabbalah, just hear me out for a minute here. Even if you don't agree with the spheros and the ideas, it's true even on a mechanical level. So my thesis for Shoftim, it reflects the Torah. There's a certain progression from Avram Avinu, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, Aaron, Yosef, and David Melech. There's a progression of things that have to develop to build Klai Yisrael, the Jewish people. And... It could have just imploded, but it turns out that it went down a level. And who is the enemy here that typifies that? Is Edom, Esav, the Romans. If you look at Esav, he actually is very similar to Yosef. And it says Yosef is the antidote. The fire burns the straw of Esav. Esav is someone who actually was supposed to go down with Yaakov Avinu to Mitzrayim. He would be able to live in the secular world, but still be religious and, st and be a dominant person, which is Yisod Machos. Basically, what is dynamic and strong, able to handle the secular realm, but still with strength. He doesn't. He shirks his responsibility. He goes and he's not part of the B'nai Yisrael. Initially, Yaakov has to act like him. Then Yosef comes along and acts as Yisod Malchus. He acts as someone who's dynamic and can handle the secular world, but is still strong. And you could argue even that well, Yisod is number six out of seven. It sort of should have come later. If, if Esau would have done his job, he probably would not be a Sphira, an Ushpizen. Ushpiz. He would... Uh, he is uh, Yosef or Yoshua, somebody would have come later to be Yisod Malchus, to be dynamic and uh, connective, bringing the Jewish people together, and then having David the Melech, the Malchus. But actually, because Yosef came early, because Esau shirked his responsibility, Yoshua comes. Yoshua is a descendant of Ephraim from Yosef. He is dynamic and connective, but because he's, long story short, listen to my introduction to you, to uh, Shoftim. It's season three of The Seven Ways, the secular, whatever, the uh, public, non-Jewish version is, downstream from religion, a separate podcast. But season three of The Seven, seven Ways podcast. Yeshua is only Yisod Machos. Basically, instead of being set, uh, six and seven, Yisod Machos, he's only six and five. He can only hit that supportive chord. He doesn't get to the borderline aggressive Malchus chord. So he doesn't finish the job. It's a team effort. It's his responsibility and the Shvatim to work together. And this does not happen. Therefore, not um, conquered. Eretzel is not conquered because there's not enough of this healthy aggression of 
Yisod, like Yosef does at the, when he's in when Yosef's in Mitzrayim, he's very strong to circumcise everyone and take the money. It's almost un Yosef like because he goes from being dynamic and supporting individuals, individualist himself, to conquering with his dynamic, systemic, charismatic behavior, similar to that. Yosef doesn't do that. Yeshua doesn't do that. There's discord, and it takes a while through the Shoftim process, grueling Shoftim process, and Shmuel cleansing the Jewish people because Shmuel is so religious and pure. That begats Shaul, and then an even more higher-level king of Dovah So here, with the mirror image of that, we get downgraded because we're too much acting like Edom. Who's the king? Earlier, Herod is the king. They start getting, they allow the secular nature of Edom to affect them, which is very common. The Ephraim, Menashe, Yosef, that secular, non-kosher part can immediately infect the Jewish people. Um, and on top of that, they don't listen to the from observant leaders. And on top of that, they allow the discord. They allow Baryonim factions and fractured parts because they allow improper philosophy, some of what Azara desires. And as the Gemara says, though, many of them are still observant, but they didn't mourn over the destruction of the base of Midash. So it's a, it's a, it's a gradual but stark decline through adopting Esav and Edom behaviors. And what saves them is maintaining the core straw to stir the drink. So who's missing? My, here's my thesis, getting back to that. There's not someone from the descendants of Yosef that can be involved in saving the Jewish people now. That was part of the problem. It's just the Yehuda, Levi, and Kohanim parts, and, and the Torah sages parts. Now, as a, as a um, backup to that, an understudy, we still have to have the elements of Yosef in the Jewish people, of Ephraim and Menashe. So those people exist, but look at the names of everybody. Rabbi Yehoshua, right? Yehoshua is somebody that comes from Yosef. That's his name. And who says all these statements over here? Rabbi Yochanan. So Rabbi Yochanan came from the Shevet of Yosef. He was also very handsome, physical, Beauty, just like Yosef. So this is a, it's making up for the fact that the Yosef components are, there's not an individual who's Yosef leader because it's sort of like a political scandal. You don't want that person or their party or their um, parliamentary party in the forefront anymore. Those people have to go to the back. But Rabbi Yochan reminds you, Yochanan, Chain, Yosef is Chain, comes from Yosef, that we still remember Yosef from Menashe and those components. So there we go. Just taking a little bit deeper look underneath the surface and the Rabbanim that are involved in the story are very clearly there for a reason. And the ones that stay, say these important statements is Memros in the Gemara. They're also very uh, important to the whole situation. And just as they begin in Eretz Yisrael and go to Babel and go back to Eretz Yisrael, I mean, we all merit to return to 
Eretz Yisrael, with a proper, observant, kosher government, the family structure with the father leading, the shoftim, the shotrim, the dayanim, the officers and the judges, and the melech, the king. Mm-hmm.